morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. I'm Allison and I'm here today with... I'm Gerald. Hey Gerald, how are you? I am doing great. I thought that... Can I share something just that's really weird? So I want you to know, so if, when it gets, it's getting colder outside, right? It is. And I grow my beard um, for so I could be Black Santa. And, and, and so I grow my beard during November so I could try to be Black Santa. But what happens is I could grow my beard as long as I can or until my wife says, cut your beard. So I have never been Black Santa yet. <laughs> this might be the year. Yeah. Work for me, guys. Okay. Work for me, all right? I got to let it grow to it because all this white and stuff, I'm trying to get it to grow. I just wanted to share that with you. No, what, no reason whatsoever. Just wanted to share my woes. Okay. I like it. Yeah, that's I know. Awesome. I just totally threw you off. Okay. No, it's fine. Great. Well, we are so happy to have you here with us today. And if you are a first time watcher, we want to send a special welcome to you. Thank you for joining us here online. Thank you for meeting our Black Santa. Yes! <laughs> and we are so happy to have you here. We want to tell you a few things that are going on at High Point. So listen, we are doing loads of things. So where are my dogs at? Yes, sir, I'm talking to all my men. We have a men's wing night. Uh, I gotta do it. There you go. Now we have a men's wing night coming up this Wednesday. So let's get together, let's get some wings in, get all the, you know, we can lick our fingers, we can be as nasty as we wanna be, our wives are at home, they're not gonna say, hey, you're just gross, that's okay, because we're gonna be men. So let's come on out together, we're gonna be at men's wing night. For more information, text HPINFO to 97000. Make sure you register so we can figure out how many people we need to reserve a seat for. So once again, text HPINFO to 97000 to register and sign up for the men's wing night. Another fun event that we have going on is our Mario Kart tournament. It's this Saturday and we are so excited. I don't know about you, but I'm a little competitive. So huh. I love to join in on the fun, watching others compete, cheering them on. We hope that you do too. And we want you to come and join us. Even if you don't like playing games, just come and hang out with us. We want to see you there. That's awesome. Awesome. So make sure for all information, including the Mario Kart tournament, That's right. text HP info to 97,000. Awesome. So right now we're going to get into our time. We're serious at High Point. We're serious about fun and we're extremely serious about worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So right now we're going to give you an opportunity to do that by getting into our time into our tithes and to our offerings. So what it's about, we're coming into this season where people actually feel more giving. You know, we're at the season where Thanksgiving's coming up and we start to reflect on all the things that we're blessed with and we start looking at the less fortunate. So let's do that things. We we could make sure that you could give to, um, by texting HP Info to 97,000 and you'll be blessed, you'll be honored by it. Everything that you do and give to High Point is given back into the community, used for building up the kingdom of God. So with that being said, let's pray over our giving and let's pray over the message that's about to come. So Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to be able to worship together, to have fun together, to Lord, able to have technology and TV and, and whatever it is, so we could listen and worship together, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that we will join together as a family to, to, to go to men's night, to be part of life groups, to be part of the Mario Kart, Lord God, and more so, Lord God, to worship and worship together in unity. We pray, Lord God, that you bless each one that is giving today, bless those that have the heart to give, bless those that are unable to give, but you will provide seed for that sower. And we thank you, Lord God, for just that heart as well. We, Lord, pray for the message that's coming today and allow us to receive it with open hearts. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen.
Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. Great to be here with you this morning. Wherever you're streaming from, welcome, especially if this is your first time. I want to start off with a question today. Uh, let's take a little walk down memory lane. Uh, well, for some of you down memory lane. For some of you, this is a, a longer walk than others, right? But what was your very first job? What was your very first job? Some of you, it was babysitting. Some of you, it was cutting grass, right? Think of that first place where you got like an actual paycheck, right? I, I was, there was a country club, you know, about uh, 15 minutes from my house. And I wanted to be a caddy at the golf country club. I didn't have any spots. So I opted to be a bus boy in the country club restaurant. Okay, and I loathed this job. I'll go ahead and just come right out and tell you. Um, I was in charge of, you know, clearing the tables, resetting the tables, rolling silverware, you know, topping off the water and the tea for the guests. And I, I, I don't know how to tell you how much I just, I despised this job, <laughs> right? But there was one saving grace. There was a freezer. And I could slip away as much as I wanted. And out of that freezer, I could get these little Andy's mints, okay, while I was working. For those of you who know what I'm talking about, Andy's mints are a gift from heaven above, right? They're amazing. Whatever your job is, think of your job right now. Some of you are engineers, some software developers. Some of you are former zoologists and librarians and you're working for uh, IT companies and you're working for Parks and Rec and you're working for churches and all the things. The reality is that work is significant to us. And the reason we can recall almost instantaneously that first job is because our jobs are important. Our jobs and how we work and the, and the produce, right, of the work, the work of our hands it, it's significant to us. It's important to us. Think of how much time you give to your job. The, the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that the average person spends a third of their life on the job working. A third of your life, 90,000 hours are spent, right? Earning a wage of some kind right? Uh, the work of your hands, 90,000 hours. We know what it's like to, to, to go to job interviews, work interviews, and we strain and stress for jobs. We pray for jobs, for work. We pray about our work. We pray about pay increases at work. We, we stress and strain about relationships with bosses at work and other uh, employees at work. People that you're called to manage uh, at work. You bring up job situations at your church and in your life group and in your different situations and scenarios. Think of all the things when you lay your head on your pillow at night and you're stressed. You're stressed oftentimes either about relationships, you know, with, with friends or family or your job. Work. We are weighed down so much of the time. regarding work. And so what do we do about it? Is it any wonder with this much time and energy 
and this much effort putting put into jobs that we would have a difficult time relating well to work and to our jobs. It's not a surprise at all, in fact. The question is, though, what do we do about this? Right? Anything that, that gets, by the way, anything that gets as much time and energy and thought and action as your job does, there is a tendency, if we're not careful, for that thing to begin to rule your heart. And so the question for you today, not only is what do we do about the weight and the challenges of work, but what do we do when we know that work is ruling our heart? What do we do, right, to, 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 to have a heart that's free? There is a proclivity for us to idolize work and the fruit that comes from our work, naturally, because we have to spend so much time and energy doing it. Has work ever ruled your heart? Maybe another way to ask it is this, is, is work and the, and the fruit of my work more precious to me? Is it more satisfying to me, more valuable to me than God? Now, most of us, if you're watching, you'd say, no, of course not. But yet our actions and our heart and our thoughts betray us. And they tell a very different story. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to rewind the tape all the way to the beginning today. Genesis chapter 1 with Adam and Eve. We're going to see, we're going, we're going to look at how work plays a part, even in the very early days of creation and how things begin to go sideways. Oh, we've got solutions. This is going to be a two-part message, right? But, but we need to set the stage for how work becomes so corrupted in our hearts. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, 28. God has created the heavens and the earth. He's created the birds. He's created the animals and the water and the sky and all the things. And in verse 28, it says, God blessed them. And said to them, this is to Adam and to Eve, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. See, Adam and Eve had work to do. Subdue the earth. Rule over it graciously, kindly, compassionately with authority and with strength. All the things in a perfect environment that God had created. Genesis chapter two, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To work it and take care of it. Adam and Eve, I want you to work this garden. Work the garden. Subdue the earth. Fill the land. Genesis chapter 2. We'll take it back one more. Verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So a few observations, right? We're setting the stage here. We're setting the table for our conversation, our sermon on how work gets jacked up in the lives of you and me. Everybody that's watching, no one is exempt from this. Not me either. 
Uh, first of all, before sin entered the world, there was work. I already mentioned it. God put Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, work this garden. They had purpose and they had direction and something to do. And, and, and they're literally, with, with, by working the garden, they're, they're producing fruits and vegetables and that, you know, the sustenance for which they were to live on. And they're also called to fill the earth, to populate the earth, to have kids. Not a bad job. If I could just be fully transparent, okay? Work was included in creation when creation was still perfect before sin ever entered the world. Number two, work, it's a good thing. If you recall from the scriptures, we didn't read it, but God, you know, he creates, you know, all the earth. And on the seventh day, he rests from it and he takes a step back and he calls that which he has created very good. Meaning the work, not only Adam and Eve, but the work that Adam and Eve have been called to do is good. Work is a good thing when it's kept in its proper place. Number three, before sin entered the world, there was also rest from work. God creates the earth and he rests on the seventh day. The Bible says that, that God rested, right? And we begin to see this word rest and we begin to see the Sabbath day. We're going to get into that, but not today, right? You can hit pause on this or this portion, but understand when the Bible says that God rested, he's not recuperating here, right? In the same way that you, you know, you, you've had a long day at work and you come home and you're wiped out and you're just... Oh, you're weary, right? You've got to go to bed because you have your, your energy is depleted. God's energy doesn't get depleted. Understand that when, when the Bible says that God rests from his work, uh, the, the other scriptures let us know that the earth is considered a footstool for God's feet. And, and when, when we see that God's resting, it's, it's like you coming in, right? And you've, you, 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 your house is in order. I know this from being married now that there, my wife loves it when the kitchen is cleaned and the living room, the blankets are rolled up and they're in the basket and there's nothing on the floor and everything is just in its proper place. And when the Bible says that God rests from the work and that the earth is his footstool, imagine you sitting on the couch and putting your feet up, right? Not because you're tired, right? But because... Ah, everything is, is right. Everything is in its proper place. I'm going to rest. I'm going to, I'm going to crack the top of that Coca-Cola and have that fizz just go down and feel that nice burn. It's soothing. It's refreshing. You're enjoying a peace-filled, chaos-free, structured environment that is working perfectly. That is the rest that God is taking on the seventh day. Fully God, fully in his authority over all creation. Number four, actually, how about we do this? Let's make the shift because we've got a perfect earth and a perfect world and a perfect mankind and perfect relationship with God given a perfect job to do, a perfect work, but something goes sideways incredibly fast. Turn to Genesis chapter three, and this will be our final observation 
before we begin to unpack this a little bit. Adam and Eve sin against God. They rebel against his authority. They would rather rule their own lives than be under God's authority. They listen to the serpent. They take the forbidden fruit. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, God says to Adam, Because you've listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. See, when sin entered the world and entered the hearts of men and women, two things were broken. Your relationship with God was broken and your relationship with work was broken. We don't talk about this all that often. But the curse that people experience, that humanity experiences here, is that now death will reign in the hearts of men. Literally, Adam and Eve, whereas they would have lived an eternal relationship with God, right? They had a a job to do and they walked with him in the cool of the garden and they had perfect relationship. Well, the wages of sin was death, but death is now experienced everywhere, not just in the hearts of, of flesh, but literally in creation itself and the very thing and purpose that they're called to do. Their work is now also cursed. And what is it that God says? He says, now you were, you were once called to, to till the, the garden of Eden, but now you're going to till the field. You see, the garden is no longer accessible to you, which represents the presence of God. You, can't, you cannot walk with me in this garden, this perfectly structured, peace-filled environment. Imagine a job. Imagine work, right, that doesn't require sweat and toil, but you give your energy to it and, and it doesn't actually feel like work. You're not going to bed stressed, right? You're not, you're not sweating to get the job done. And yet part of the curse now to Adam and Eve and all of humanity is that the ground is cursed because of you. In other words, the place that you've called, you've been called to work is now going to resist you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it all the days of your life. And so what we see in this instantaneous moment is that God, that, that, that people had a perfect relationship with God. And when that was severed and broken, it now becomes a severed relationship with God Almighty and a severed, broken relationship with work. And why is the ground cursed? Because the very place that they exalted above God, the place where they disobeyed him was the fruit of their labor. The thing that they were called to cultivate is the very thing that they plucked from that tree, right? Took it, ate it, 
and disobeyed God's command. In other words, work became higher than God. Does that make sense this morning? When sin entered the world, our broken relationship to God extended to a broken relationship with work. Imagine now in your own life, I want you to think about your own work and the, own, the, the tendency that you have, do you not? You might, be looking, you might be listening to me and you're thinking, okay, that feels like a stretch to say that the fruit from the tree in the garden is equivalent to work and exalting work. Okay, I hear that. I hear the pushback on it. But un- look, think of it this way. Look at the world that we currently live in and, and, and think of how much time and energy is spent stressing, toiling, and laboring, and sweating over work. Think of how much energy you spend trying to validate yourself, trying to get produce, quote-unquote, from the land that will satisfy you that will fill your heart. And we look for our jobs and we look for our work to bring validation, to bring security, uh, to, to bring wholeness. We look to work and jobs to supply and provide everything for us. And what does that mean when work becomes everything? Well, that would be something we call an idol. It's like you have been possessed by it. What does possession mean? It means that something takes control of you. We're not talking Hollywood horror in this moment. We're just talking about control. This is the series that we're in. What has control of your heart? What rules your heart? Is it your job? Is it your work? Does it consume your thoughts? Does it consume your mind, your energy, your actions? Obviously, I know you have to have a job. And I know that that job is significant. And I know what you produce from that job is significant. I do not make light of that. However, those things can become so all-important that they do, in fact, consume you and they become idols in your very heart. You've exalted work above God himself. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a problem. But the curse doesn't end there. Oh, sin never stays put, does it? Adam and Eve are are working the field. And they also have a family and they have children. There's Cain and there's Abel, right? And we're in Genesis chapter four. We are four chapters into the Bible, right? We are not very far. And we see, do we not, this jacked up relationship with God, with fruit, with labor, with toil, with gardening, all of these things getting in the wrong places. And Cain and Abel, are, are worshiping God and they're bringing an offering to God. And what is an offering? It's the, it's the sacrifice of the fruit of your labors. The Bible says that Cain and Abel were to bring first fruits. Well, what is Cain? He is a gardener. What is Abel? He's a shepherd. He's in charge of animals and Cain is in charge of the, the fruit. He's tilling the field. That's the place where he's called to work. 
And Abel's sacrifice is a worthy sacrifice. He brings the fruit of his work and work has stayed in its proper place and God is exalted and he's considered righteous because God gets his best. But Cain, we don't know all the details of it, but he does not bring his best and God rejects it. He says, uh-uh, you're, you're not bringing, you have exalted, you're keeping the best for yourself. In other words, you still, like your father before you, you are choosing your path in this way. And you've exalted the fruit of your hands, your work above me, and I will not accept your offering. And what does Cain do? Out of jealousy and out of the anger in his heart, he lures Abel out into where? The field, the very place he's called to work, and he murders him. The first murder, the first death that we see. And it's all over jealousy and hard-heartedness and anger over what? Your job, your work, and being an unwilling, having an unwilling heart to bring the fruit of your labors to God. The first fruits, your best. God gets the best. Genesis chapter 4. This is what the scriptures say that Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Whew. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse, Cain, and you are driven from the ground, which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Adam, part of the curse that you experience is that you no longer get to work in the garden. You now have to work in the field. And that work is going to feel a lot harder. Cain, you took things a step further. You have further rejected me, even beyond your father before you. And the curse that you experience isn't just that it's going to feel a bit more difficult. Now your work is going to feel impossible. And you're going to spend the rest of your life wandering restless, anxious, all over this inability to really work and feel like there's validation and affirmation and, and you've invested in this thing and you have returned from the work of your hands. It's now going to feel impossible. Have you ever felt that way before? Where God, God this just feels like an impossible situation and it's all tied into work. And many times, if we take a step back, we can see not that you have killed somebody like Cain, right? But that we have exalted work above God himself. And we taste the ancient curse still at work in our hearts. And by the way, that was a rhetorical question. All of us feel this. Every 
single person on the earth has a broken relationship with work by virtue of having a broken relationship with God. There is a propensity in the heart of every man and woman to exalt work above God himself. Side note. God attempts to redirect Cain before he kills his brother. He begins to address the condition of Cain's heart and the condition of his offering and the condition of where things are as it pertains to produce and his sacrificial offering, right? As it pertains to work, the fruit of his hands. And you know what's fascinating to me is that there's no faster way to make somebody angry, especially in the church, right? The greatest place within the four walls of the, the church, the very place that we're called to exalt God above everything else, right? But yet the easiest place for offense is always where? The offering. People get offended so quickly and so fast when you begin to put a finger on the condition of our heart as it pertains to what? Bringing your best and first fruits to God in sacrificial generosity. And while the response isn't to kill Abel, many of us harbor anger in our heart. We harbor, and what, what is it that Jesus talks about regarding anger? He, he speaks of what? Before he gets to anger, he talks about murder. And he says, you've heard it said, don't murder anybody, but I tell you not to even be angry in your heart. In other words, he's, he's linking the two together that many of us with the anger in our heart over the response of, of a pastor or a friend or the culture of your church, calling your heart to a place of true holiness and righteousness like Abel himself. But many of us go the way of Cain. The Bible speaks of the way of Cain in the New Testament. And the way of Cain is my way. I want this on my terms. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And when you touch on that, I have anger in my heart towards you. And it's like Cain has killed his brother Abel all over again. We replay this all the time, don't we? Oh, it's the same pattern at work. And we've exalted the fruit of our labors. And we feel stuck. It's like quicksand, isn't it? You feel anxious. You feel stressed. You feel angry. You feel hopeless. The very thing that God has given you to help enjoy life, which is direction and purpose. Unfortunately, it becomes the very thing that we try to make life. We exalt it above everything else. Work, work, work. It possesses you. Can't stop thinking about it. Can't stop stressing about it. 
You can't stop trying to climb the work ladder. Your job defines you. Your job validates you. It affirms you. You can't stop putting time in at work. You bring work home with you, right? You're too tired. Oh, here's a big one. You're too tired for relationships. You're too tired for prayer. You're too tired to read the Bible. You're too tired to gather for worship. You're too tired to go to church on Sundays. You're too tired for this. You're too exhausted because of that. You're too maxed out because of this and that and in between. Why? Because of work, 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 work. So what on earth do we do? Because what I'm not saying is to quit your job and just have nothing to do. We all have to have jobs and we have work that God has called us to. So how do we have a relationship with work and the fruit of our hands that actually exalts God and allows us to live a stress-free, anxious-free life. I am so glad that you asked today. First of all, this sounds easy and it's kind of one of those church, you know, it's going to sound trite, but it's true. Don't confuse work with life. Your job isn't your life. It isn't. It can never satisfy you. And I know that sounds really nice to say and really hard to practice, but nevertheless, it is true. Your job can never validate you. It can never truly affirm you. It can never make you whole on the inside. It cannot transform you on the inside. And it certainly cannot save your soul from the effects of sin and a broken relationship with God. And what is it that your heart is desperate for more than anything else? A right relationship with Jesus Christ, with God Almighty, that you would be able to take a deep breath and be at peace with Him. The Prince of peace, the one who calms the storms on the outside and calms the storms on the inside. The one who says, come to me all who are what weary and I will give you rest. What was it that God was giving, that Jesus was giving the, 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 the Israel rest from? Work, not literal work in that particular case, but spiritual work. That's next week and I'm not going to get there yet. But understand, don't confuse your work with life. Your job isn't your life. And the success of your life, it is not determined by the success of your job. It simply isn't. And newsflash, if every hero that we see in the scriptures was determined by what we deem success, all of these people, who are hailed as heroes in the hall of faith in Hebrews would be considered total failures. The success of your life is not determined by the way we deem success at our job. It simply isn't. So what do we do first? There's going to be two things we've got one more message coming on this next week. And we're going to be talking about rest. Might I add, 
But before we get there, we've got to deal with the very condition of our hearts, the exalting of work and the fruit of our labors above God himself. And what is it that, that John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he forgives us our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. In other words, what do we have to do? Where do we begin on, in untangling all of this unhealthy, jacked up, broke down relationship? It begins with you acknowledging it and having the humility to say, God, I, I am, I'm broken in this area and I'm bringing it to you. I have allowed this to rule my heart. It has possessed my thoughts, my mind and my actions. And God, forgive me. You are the king of my heart. I confess this to you and I am tearing down the idol of my heart and I'm allowing you to be my one true king. The king of my heart. That's where it begins. It's simple and yet it's the kind of thing that you have to do on the daily. This is not a one-time prayer. This is part of picking up your cross and following Jesus daily. You go to him daily, recognizing the propensity for you to worship your job and to worship the fruit of your labors faster and easier and quickly. All the things before God himself. So today, right here as we're streaming service, as you're listening by podcast, as you're driving in your car, today begins a moment that will continue in the days to come. And it begins and starts with you acknowledging who God is and letting him be the true king of your heart and the king over your work. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the King of Kings and that you are the Prince of Peace. Well, wherever we're watching from, be it our television, be it our podcasts, wherever it is, Lord, we recognize there is a tendency to exalt our job, to exalt our work and the fruit of our hands above you. God, to enter into the ancient curse that, of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. God, it's, it's ever-present still, but we thank you, Jesus, that your word says that you became a curse for us, meaning you swallowed up all of the effects of the curse of sin. Not only, the, the, not only death, but also literally this, that the tendency, Lord, to try to draw life from that which it cannot give. God, our jobs can't give life. It simply can't. It's broken. Our relationship to work, it's broken. It's a mess, God, and we need your help. We need a miracle in our hearts. And God, where we have exalted these things above you and relationship with you and knowing you and even just the position of you as king over our heart and over our work, God, forgive us. We confess 
This is our sin. And Lord, we bring it to you now and we repent of it. Forgive us for idolizing work before you. You are the one true king and we worship you today. Help us in the days and even in the hours to come that you would fill us with your spirit that we would be at peace with you God and that you would reign as king over all in our hearts we love you and worship you amen thank you for streaming uh, service today listening online today we're going to continue this message with a second installment uh, next week, uh, we recognize, might I add, that you have to have jobs and that jobs are significant, that they're worthwhile, that they're incredible. But we also recognize that those things can, can overshadow our heart and take too much control and become too influential. We exalt them above God himself. So what do we do? Well, we, we get our hearts right first, but then we cultivate a life doing the things that God has asked us to do. And one of those things that we'll be talking about next week, which sounds impossible, but it's not, is rest. See you right here next week. Everybody yeah. clapping our hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>